today, we are going through the book of Mark, and that's what we've been doing for the last several months. However, I'm going to start back in the book of Mark next week, but I wanted to share with you a little bit of what I shared with our men at the men's retreat, which was awesome, by the way, and many of the men are back already, and they'll be here today if you're not already in the room with us or watching online right now during this service But it's on my heart, and it has been on my heart, especially if you've been going to our night gathering on Wednesday. I've been talking about freedom, and part of that freedom is that we need more of God in our lives. And I've been thinking a lot about this because we are up against so many things in this world that people are seeking answers to. And I get asked, like I know half of this stuff. I'm not an epidemiologist, a medical professional. There, there are so many things I know that I am not. Some of you are those things, and that is your field. And I defer to many of you on a lot of help that I need. But I can tell you that we're in a place that we've not been before, which we've talked about. And we're going through things that require us at least to be spiritual people that have biblical answers in order to address the issues that we're facing. And I may not have the answers to all those things. In fact, I would tell you right now, I don't. Let's just go ahead and clean that one up. But what I do know is that we need more of God. As followers of Jesus, we absolutely need more of God. And that's not some quick, easy, cheap answer. That is a very real, substantive answer to the things that we are facing. And I have been personally pressing in to my relationship with God, and I'm also pressing in for our church. And I'm asking you that if you haven't joined that effort, please do that, because we as a people, not just people that go home and live a life away from who we are as a collective body, but we as a person and we as a people need more of God. We need more of God in our hearts, in our homes, in our lives. We need more of God in the church. We need more of his power, more of his love. I'm I'm all about increase right now. Lord, we need and want more in Jesus' mighty name. This is what we've got to be after in the days that we're living. And I'm looking here at Psalm 63 and verse 1, and King David gives us a window into his heart that I think also resonates with us where we are today. And he says this, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Scholars tell us that David is in the desert of Judah at this time. We know he's on the run from his son Absalom. There's some horrible background to this story. He's fallen to an all-time low, and as he's in this desert, I'm certain that he's probably hungry and parched while he's writing this, which is why he's saying, I'm in a place that is physically dry, I'm physically thirsty, I'm physically hungry, but he makes a profession of faith. He uses that environment to say something is more important to him. What is most important to me is God. I long for God. I want God in my life. And he says it to him, oh Lord, I pray that this would be the desire of my heart. I'm telling you, earnestly, I seek you. I want your presence more than anything else in my life. And I had this little revelation because sometimes what happens to us as people, no matter how good of a person that we are, no matter how much Bible that we know, when we go through things that we didn't plan, which is often, but difficult things in particular, 
And I would say as a society, we are going through very difficult things. I mean, I personally never noticed more people being frustrated and angry. And that's Christian and non-Christian alike. I've never seen people on edge and irritable like I have in this last season. And so we're not out of it yet. But when we go through such a thing, what, what I know is that it brings, us, it brings us to this place where we're sort of low. Not just individually, but collectively. And what the Lord wants to do, the Spirit of the Lord wants to bring freedom. He wants to cause us to rise up out of that. And part of what happens when we get there is we begin to ask God for things. And here's the reality is we need to be a people postured right now to not ask something from God, but asking more of God. And there's a massive difference between the two. We've got to be a people that are postured and, uh, and not accepting anything, anything else other than God's presence, power, love, and increase in our lives right now. We've got to have more of God and not just more from God. I don't want God just to change circumstances. I don't want God just to give me a little blessing and sprinkle some pixie dust on me and make me smile and make me happy for a temporary time. I want some substance in my life, and that only comes from the substance giver himself, and he's got to have an increase in our own lives for us to have what we're really looking for. You cannot have peace without peace himself. You cannot have joy without joy himself. It emanates from God. It isn't just something he gives, it's something he is. And so when we have more of him, we have more of what it is that we're really looking for. And if you're not convinced that fullness is your vision in the Christian life, my job, my task today is to provoke you to, a, to an upgraded vision for your own Christian life. And there is a mentality sometimes that I think can be our greatest enemy, that where I am is fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. I, I don't need that much more. I'm doing okay. That can be the greatest enemy to us in our life, friends. That thing right there. That thing, it's almost like the power of God can show up. The glory of God is available. The presence of the living God is, is right here and right now, and we can engage him, and we can enter into more. But there's something that wants to tell us, just, you're fine. Hey, don't, 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 don't. I know Ben's all passionate and yelling, and he's, he's all happy, clabby, and that's really great for him, really wonderful, but, I, but I'm fine. I'm a good, moral, upstanding citizen. I do what I need. I pay my taxes. I do what I'm supposed to do. I, I, no, friend, God wants you in Passionville, you understand? Not Smallville. He wants you in Passionville. He wants you to lay hold of more. He wants you to have an increase. He wants you to lay hold of fullness, and you're not there yet. And unless you can confess that and know that, you're not going to have more. But we want more in God. And let me just tell you, different is not more. And sometimes that's what we'll do. We'll go to different. We'll go to a different place. We'll get a different job. We'll find a different church. We'll get a different whatever. And we think different is, different is not more. And maybe we need a little different, I mean, in a positive way. You might need a little different, but different is not more. It's not more in our lives. And that's what we're trying to do. Sometimes we're trying to spice it up to feel a little better about where we really are. No, we're, look, we're looking after more in our lives. Look what the Apostle Paul says as he prays over the Ephesian church. And I can just imagine Paul's been through everything you can imagine. Paul's had the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. He's been uh, shipwrecked, ridiculed, persecuted, beat. He's also gone into the third heaven. He even says it. He goes, I know a man 
who experience things in the third heaven, things that not, cannot be uttered. I mean, Paul is this guy who's encountered God at levels that he couldn't even articulate. Can you imagine that? I mean, does anybody else want to go to the third heaven? I, I can't get you there. But, <laughs> and if you're ever at a conference where somebody says that they can get you there, walk out of the conference. Yeah, you're welcome for that. But look what he prays. He says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That's a paradox. That you and I would know something that's unknowable. That you would be able to know something that naturally speaking you can't know. God has to give it to you. That's what he's trying to say here is that there's something greater that man can't achieve. It has to be given by God. That's why he prayed that they would have, that they would experience, that they would know that which is without comprehension. God has to give it. And then he says this, that you would be filled up to all the fullness of God. Everybody say fullness. This is our trajectory. This is our prayer. This is what we're after. We are after fullness. I don't want less, and I don't want less for you. We've got to go after fullness. Paul, as an apostolic father over the Ephesian church, he prayed it. This is what I desire for you. If you're a parent in the room, this is what you desire for your kids. You don't want your kids to be a little religious. You don't want your kids to just be a little moral, a little nice. You want them to have fullness. You want them to be passionate about Jesus. People are passionate about everything in this world. Some of us Seahawks. That's fine. You can like the Seahawks. You can like things, but you shouldn't love them like you love Jesus. You understand? There is no other replacement. And so it's one thing to like a thing. It's another thing to love it and to give your affections toward it. And we want more of God, fullness. I want fullness in my, in my life. Well, how do we lay hold of this place of, of, of more of God and, and sustain it? And that's the question I want to answer today. And three things. The first is we need to desire more of God. We need to desire. Now, desire isn't everything, but it's an important piece. And I want to ask you the question, have you lost your desire for the Lord? Okay, before you answer that, let's, let's define. Have you lost your desire for his word? Have you lost your desire for prayer? Have you lost, when you hear the call to fast, do you go, well, that's really great for them, or do you go, what about that fasting? Amen. Come on, are you trying to get into something, or do you find your way out of it? This is the question we've got to ask ourselves. We can't just say, yes, oh, I, I, uh, Pastor Ben, I desire God more than anything else. Is it provable in our lives? See, that's where the rubber meets the road. If we quickly say, oh, I desire God with everything, but our desire has been waning for years, we have to first be honest and come back to him and say, oh, God, my desire for you has been waning. I need more. Would you give me that which I truly seek? I want to say with David, I long for you. My body longs for you. My heart, there's nothing greater. My desire is full. Fill it up even more. Well, if you've lost some of your desire for the Lord, how do you recapture that? One of the ways we do that together is we come back to the place where we see the beauty of Jesus. We see his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his love toward us. 
We're never tired of hearing about the gospel. It's inexhaustible. His love for us is, is without comprehension. And when we see Jesus, especially in the midst of what we're going through right now, all of the chaos, all of the difficulty, all of the, all of the disagreements, all of the anger, all of the tension, all of that's on this level. It's on that horizontal level. But I'll tell you, when you look vertically, something changes in your heart. Something changes in your soul. And you start to see for yourself. Listen, we know this, but I'm saying it again. You start to see that there is someone greater. There is something more important. And we begin to lay hold of God, and our desire grows. I, I Personally, for me, when I tend to, like, my desire for the word wanes or, or my desire, I mean, I read the Bible every day. I pray every day. My discipline is there, but sometimes my desire can wane a little bit, and I've noticed, and the Holy Spirit has said to me in this season, I want you to go after worshiping me. I want you to go after, I don't want you to wait, I don't want you to be casual, you know, casual. I want you to go after worshiping. And that's not just here, but I'm going to go after it here too. I want you guys to know that. Don't look at me over here while I'm, you know, we're worshiping together. But I'm going to worship God for all I'm worth. I'm going to do it in the car. I'm going to do it at home. I'm sorry, Azariah, I'm annoying my family. I'm going to do it everywhere I am. I'm going to be in Safeway aisle 11 with three masks on. I don't care. I'm going to worship God. It doesn't matter. You can't stop a worshiper. You understand? You can't stop a worshiper. When he overtakes your heart, you just, you just start to sing. You, start to, you, might, you might tap your foot a little bit, you know. You might. Sometimes for, for a couple of you, if you start tapping your feet, everybody on that row knows breakthrough is coming for you. You, st- you, st- you know, you start doing one of these, something is happening. Like your kids get a little nervous. Like what is going on? right? Because joy might not be normal in this season. I'll tell you what, I'm going after worship. And even if my desire is waned a little bit, I notice that as I lay hold of God in worship, my desire starts to activate. My desire for God starts to grow and expand. When I sing his praise, when I sing about who he is, when I speak back to him, it's giving back to God what he's given to us. And do you know, that's really what worship is. That's really what our life is before God. We're talking about a God that sought us, pursued us, loved us before we ever knew his name, knew who he was, knew that he cared about us. All we're doing is responding to the one that initiates on our behalf. That's all we're doing. We're giving him back what he's given to us. Look what 1 John 4.10 says. It says, this kind of love we are talking about, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away the, our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. What I'm saying here is God sent Jesus for us because we were lost. He sought us because we were incapable of seeking him. We did not know him. We did not desire him. We did not want him. But he still sent Jesus. He sent his best. He sent his all. And it says in Luke 19.10 that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost If we want to recapture our desire, aren't you glad that God didn't take no for an answer when he sought you, when he pursued you, when he he looked at you, even in all of your sin, he said, oh, I'm I'm not taking that rebellious no for an answer. I'm going after you. Aren't you grateful that that's his disposition toward you, that when we've been faithless, God has still been faithful? I'll tell you what, if that doesn't do something to you on the inside, I'm praying that it will. We've got to have fullness. We've got to get our desire back. But you've got to see Jesus to do that. Fall back in love with Jesus. Fall back in love with Jesus. Let that be the, 
most important, most powerful narrative that you're listening to right now, the gospel that changes your life. Paul would say it this way, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's power. There's nothing more powerful than the gospel, nothing. Sometimes we are seeking other things and we allow our desires to grow in these other areas. It's one thing to have a, a desire for something. Uh, you know, we like it in this life, but we can't let it become our replacement. Amen. There are a lot of things in this life we like and we have preference towards. You know, you and I, we probably don't see eye to eye on football. You know, amen. Where's faith at? I know you're here somewhere, next service. I don't, I don't like football, okay? But I respect the fact that some of you do. Come on, this will clear away the church real quick. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when Jesus turned to, turned to the crowd. He said to his disciples, will you too leave me? Because <laughs> I don't like football. Where else will we go? <laughs> you know, I don't know of any football churches. Sorry, I don't. I know. I've never owned a jersey in my life, you know. But I love the Bible, amen? <laughs> you can like some stuff, but you can't love it like you love Jesus. And you got to be honest when it starts to take its place. It happens. It really does. We've got to be mindful of this. There's no sin that can compare. There's, there's no entertainment. There's no pleasure. There's nothing that can take its place. We've got to ask him for desire back. How do you get that desire back? You ask him for it. You can't muster it up. You can't make it happen. You can't manufacture it. you got to ask him for it, and he'll give it to you. But you also, at that, in all of that, you have to admit that you don't have it. Right? That's the humility. I don't have my desire for you right now, Lord. Would you give it back to me? That place, that one prayer right there is the difference sometimes between a person that is passionately entering into their Christian life and somebody that's staying outside the door. And being saved is enough. What we've had with God in the past is enough. It's sort of like in marriage, like everybody, you know, you can just survive in marriage and not thrive. If our vision in marriage isn't to thrive, we need an upgrade there too. If it's just to be okay, if it's just to chill, if it's, you know, we're good, everything's good, there's no problems. Is that how we want to define marriage? We don't have any problems? That is not a good vision for marriage. Everybody say amen. amen. You don't want to define your relationship with God the same way. Hey, I don't have any problems. I don't have any big sins, Ben. There's no big things on the radar. Nothing I really have to ask God to totally transform right now. I'm doing pretty good, thank you. That's, is that good enough for you? No, man, we want to be pressed in. I want more. I want more. I want to have more, and I want to have a posture of more so that other people see where I'm going and what I'm doing, not because I'm trying to show, but I so want God that it inspires other people without me having to tell them, follow me as I follow Christ. Like, I don't have to tell you, follow me as I follow Christ, but there's something in my posture and my position toward God that you look at and you say, man, I want that. There's all these other people going after this. I like that. What I see in him and what I see in her is special. It's special, and it's abnormal in the culture that we're a part of right now. Going after God. Look at that desire. Lord, give that back to me. Well, desire is not enough. We also have to decide to have more of God. We've got to make some decisions in our life. Desire leads us to make these necessary decisions to receive more. But God is always inviting us into these moments where more is possible, where more is our next step. He, he brings us to a place of invitation, and, and we see in front of us we can take that step, but it's going to mean that we make a decision. And often it's a sacrificial decision. Look what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said, If anyone desires or wishes to come after me, to follow me, 
And all that that means, friends, all that that means to have more of him, to see him, to learn from him, to be like him, to go where he goes and to do what he, if you desire that, then you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Notice that he didn't say you need to deny sin. He said you need to deny self. Sin is attached to self. All of our sin is attached to a self-first mentality. This is what Jesus, through the gospel, delivers us from, from serving self, from worshiping self, from being all about ourselves so that we can love God and we can love others. It's to get outside of ourselves. It's to be delivered from ourselves. We have to deny ourselves. But sometimes the problem that we have at times is that we're not after more of God or we're not having more of God because we're too full of self. We live in a culture that's full of excess, and you can, it's like you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have 15 hobbies. You can do it all at the same time. That is not true. It is not true. Anybody figured out in life at this point, in this stage in your, in your journey of being a human being, that you can't be an expert on everything? Like I know you, some of us pride ourselves, like I'm a jack or jill of all trades. Yeah, well, you're generally good at a number of things, but you're an ex, you can be an expert at nothing. And how is, how is that possible? It's because we only have so much time. We have 24 hours in a day. We only have so much brain capacity. We, only have, have, we, we, are, we all have limitations. And so what we give ourselves to, we become full of. And we have to recognize if we want more of God, we can't just put more of God like a cherry on top of the sundae. We've got to clear some room out so that he can have more. See, we can never have more of God until he can have more of us. That's the truth. If we want a breakthrough in our lives, the biggest breakthrough that I think we need and the American church needs is to start offloading some stuff of self and then revival will come and touch down in our lives and we will have more of God. We will have more of God in our lives. You can't have more word of God, more presence of God, more power of God, more love of God until we deny more of self. And as we do that, God is faithful and he'll pour out more. He always will and he always does. But the question is, are we full of other things right now? Are we full of other things? And who cares how we say that to one another right now, but before God, God knows. He knows exactly where we are. What, what do we say to him? How are we looking to him? What, how, what is he seeing in our, in our lives? Is there, are we full of opinions and attitudes and anger and sin and secret sin and all that type of stuff? Are we full of other things? Are we full of judgment and criticism? Are we full of all that? Are we full of joy and love? Because if you want more of God, what it looks like is what he looks like. When we have more of God, there's an increase of what he looks like in our lives. We will begin to notice it. We will begin to experience it. You can't have more of God in your life and not change. Come on, that's the truth, right? That's why it's so easy for us to become scholars. Like, I want to learn the Bible. I want to memorize it more. And friend, learn the Bible, memorize it more. But if more of the Bible doesn't get into you and change you and transform you, then there's something a little bit off. There's something a little bit off. We can't just lead by intellect. As much as we want to know the word and study and, and, and memorize it, it's got to infiltrate and invade and change and transform. It's not just how much of it do I know. It's how much of it has got into me and it's working out of me. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a, a reality. Are we getting more loving, more gracious, more evangelical, more generous, more kind? Is that the reality? Because if it's not, we've got to guarantee ourselves. 
right now that God wants to do more. He wants to do more. There's more for you and I. Amen. I want to go after it. You know, the reality is for us, we've got to recognize that we are trading more of God for other things. I have a a funny story that I heard a guy say, and I probably shouldn't share it, but I got the microphone, so here we go. And you're here, so amen. I heard this pastor tell this story one time, and he he said that there was this woman who was driving on a long road trip, and this long, um, long road that she was on, and she saw an elderly woman who was on the side of the road, and it was sort of a strange thing, and she was neither hitchhiking nor making a lot of progress where she was going. And so the woman pulled over on the side of the road and picked up the elderly woman and started making small talk with her. And it was very clear that the elderly woman uh, didn't want to talk to her and so didn't really want to respond back, didn't want to say much, didn't know what to say. So it was kind of strange, you know. And uh, it was a very quiet ride at that point. And the elderly woman looked over in the center console. There was this brown paper bag, and, and it looked like a bottle was in it. And so the woman said to her, hey, what's in the bag? And she said, oh, it's a bottle of wine, and uh, I got this for my husband. And the elderly woman was quiet for a minute, and then after, after that, she said, well, that was a good trade. <laughs> good. Got this for my husband. The dad jokes are flowing. If that wasn't funny, I got another one. It's fine. It's fine. At dinner, I told my son the other night, I looked over at him as we're eating, and and I said, hey, you know what the biggest room in our house is? And he goes, what? I said, room for improvement. Yeah. That'll preach, though, won't it? Yeah, anything to lift us a little bit right now. It'd be nice. But I'll tell you what. We're trading more of God for something else. That's truth. If we're living by default and we're letting it happen, we're letting life happen, here's what you need to know about the enemy. The enemy doesn't come after everything overnight. He comes after one piece at a time. That's what he does. You start out, you and I start out, we're like spending time with God. We got 30 minutes in prayer, 30 minutes in the word, whatever it might be. Let's say you, you're on this good pace of like really wanting to press in and know God more, know his word more, pray and worship and all that. So you got this time, you mark out this time. And then what the enemy will do is come after two or three minutes. And then before you know it, it's five minutes. Come on, am I talking to somebody right now? And then it's 10 minutes. And now you're like, okay, all I got to do is I got to get that devotion. I don't know if I can do the Bible reading plan anymore. So why don't we just go to the de- his calling or whatever? I don't know. I don't read devotionals. But let's do the little thing, the devotional thing. And then before you know it, it's let's just turn on the Bible while I'm in my car. And then it goes from that, it goes from that to I really want to listen to that talk radio or that other podcast more than I want to listen to the word of God. And so we went from this time with God and we got minimized, minimized, minimized. Come on, the enemy will take what he can get before we have nothing before God. And what we rely on is what we had. I used to do this. I used to do that. If that's enough, friend, we need an upgrade. God is longing for us to know him, walk with him, hear from him. He's available 24-7. The enemy comes after a little bit at a time before he's got it all. And that's the way that it works. We cannot trade more of God for any lesser thing. We cannot. How do we move forward as we're seeking more of God in our lives? I want to tell you as a final thought, we need to guard against the things that will steal more of God in our lives. You and I have to guard 
We have to be aware. We have to understand that there is an investment from the enemy, from this season, this, the world system, the culture that we're a part of, well-meaning people around us. There's an investment to take from us so we have nothing with God and we behave and act and become like everyone else. The world needs us to be like Christ. The world needs us to be unoffendable. The world needs us to be generous and gracious and evangelical and loving. The world needs Jesus in us to come through our lives. So we can't let anything out there take what's in here. This is why Paul prayed that you would be strengthened in your inner man, that what's on the inside cannot be taken because of who it's been given by. I pray that you would be strengthened in your inner man. We've got to guard against two things. There are many more. I don't have time. First one is guard against sin. We've got to guard against sin. Remember, King David said, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. I, I just was reminded of David is a man who's experienced every luxury, every delicacy, every fantasy, every victory. He's a man that's had it all. He rose to the highest place of power. David was the foremost authority in his world at that time, but that wasn't enough. He started to lose track of God. Here's a man who loved God, knew God, worshiped God, but he lost track of God. That man, that woman, that person, can, you can still lose track of God. You can. You can be at this highest place in everything you ever wanted. You can have it all, and yet it's not enough. And David went after something that was off limits and committed adultery and then murder, and he went down this road, and he loses his kingdom and he loses the respect of his sons, his legacy. I mean, his son did terrible things, and now his son is trailing after him to take his life. Can you even imagine something like that? Can you imagine? I mean, we talk about family dysfunction. I mean, this is insane. This is real. This, this is not, I mean, the level of dysfunction is like 105. I mean, that's, my son wants to kill me. I think that's the highest level of, of family dysfunction. And so here David, in the lowest of lows, in the desert of Judah, says, he says this to God, I, earnestly I seek you, my body longs for you. See, friend, he had to come to the rock bottom. And I want to tell you today, you don't have to go to rock bottom to say this to God. But incrementally, we will. We will go to these lower places. Even if it doesn't look like that, we will go lower and lower. And then we'll wake up in the morning and go, how did I get here? How did I get so angry? How did I get so fr I know Jesus. I know God. I'm in love with God. I'm, I'm saved. I have the spirit of the living God, the fruit of the spirit in my life. How did I get here? How did I get here? I want to tell you, stop before you go another month, another year, and have to wake up and realize you're not what you started out wanting to be. Don't do it. Don't allow any type of hidden sin, unrepentant sin, private sin, secret sin. None of that stuff is worth it. None of it is worth it. How many people that were wonderful, Bible-believing, Christ-following, gospel-centered people, and I've helped pick up the pieces of their life. Everybody around them thought they were fine. They looked fine on the outside. They weren't fine. They weren't fine. And then we, would, we get deceived. We, we start thinking that that incremental decrease doesn't affect us. It will affect us. I'm not saying you should be going like this. <laughs> like that's not what faith looks like. It, it, it looks like one step. You understand? It's one step. Growing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then a year or two years, we realized that we've grown a lot and we couldn't really see it because we were taking those steps. But we've got to be taking those steps to more. But sin has this profound power to reduce us. It really does. Have you ever walked into a dark room and, and you notice that um, 
at first you can't see anything. If we turned all the lights off right now, you, you, would, you and I, we would all have the same thing happen to us. We, we, would, we, <laughs> we couldn't see our neighbor. We could, you couldn't see me. You'd hear a voice, though. That'd be strange. But it would just be a dark room. You wouldn't see anything. But isn't it interesting? In about two or three minutes, what happens? Your eyes start to acclimate. Your eyes start to acclimate to the darkness, and wherever there's like the little exit sign that's got a green light, and you start to notice the little lights all around, and there are enough light to sort of see a little bit, and your eyes acclimate to the level of darkness that is all of a sudden in the room. And I want to tell you, that's what unrepentant, willful, secret sin will do in our lives, or tolerated sin, attitudes, criticism, judgments, anger, all of that stuff. If we allow those things in our life, it says it very clearly in the Bible, even about anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give the devil a foothold. So if we continue to let the sun go down on these attitudes in our life, what we are allowing and tolerating is for it to have more of us rather than for us to have more of God. Instead of bowing our knee and recognizing the power that these sins have if we tolerate them, if we allow them in our life, I want to tell you, I don't want to have to pray for somebody three years down the road where they recognize that this anger incrementally has taken so hold of them that it's rooted into the substructure of who they are. And everybody around that person has to walk eggshells because they never know how they're going to react. All the while, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven when I die. It's not enough. It's not enough to know that Jesus saves you. We've got to know that Jesus wants all of you. Surrender is what we're talking about. We don't want to acclimate to the darkness. Jesus told us how to deal with sin. And this is not an encouraging verse. But it's helpful. He said in Matthew 5, 29, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. And listen to this, then throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And he goes further, he says, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. I love the detail here. He says, cut it off, but don't stop there. I want you to chuck that thing. Because he knows we'll try to sew it back on. You understand? We'll cut it off and go, that was a mistake. I'm going to sew that back on so I can do what I was doing later. So I can say what I was saying later. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not affecting anybody. We start to sew back our arm. We start to put back in our eye. It's a metaphor for sin. We start to tolerate it again. But what we don't realize when we're doing that is what it's taking from us. It's taking the more of God. It's taking the more of God from us. I'll, I'll just close with this. He, he, God not only forgives us, but he wants to cleanse us. Sometimes when we're going through a, a battle or a hard time, we'll settle for forgiveness. And listen, he forgives us. If you have some kind of sin, no matter what it is, aren't you glad that you have a Savior that forgives you come to God and you say, Lord, I've done this. Please forgive me. And you know what the Lord says every time? What does he say? I forgive you. It's, it's, there's no game. There's no proving this. There's no achieving it. There's no earning it. He's just a beautiful Savior. He's like, I love you. But you know what it also says when Jesus taught his disciples to pray? He said, pray in this way. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and 
to cleanse us from unrighteousness. Sometimes we'll settle for forgiveness and he wants us to go after cleansing. We'll lay hold of forgiveness and it gives us a reprieve. We feel better because he's a wonderful savior, but our father wants us to have cleansing. He wants us to have deliverance. And that's the next step. I need to move into this place where I'm not running, walking around the mountain of sin again and again and again, justifying it, tolerating it. It's what it's robbing us from is what God wants for our lives. He want, it's not just you're a sinner, you have horrible things in your all of that, fine. But it's what it's taking from us. It's taking the more of God and all that he is and all that he wants to do in our lives. I was... Um, I was driving to the men's retreat the other night. I told the men this, so you guys are catch up on your prayer time while I say it again. I was driving, and uh, my 28-year-old, Bridget, uh, Bridget and I have two older boys, and, and then we have Azariah, who's 15, and Judah's 13. But my son, my oldest son, I, Isaiah, he called me, and I'm just telling you, as a parent, I have this tendency, which is... Uh, fairly justified, okay? And if you don't have older kids yet, (laughs) don't judge me. It's coming, people. Uh, But he called me, and I said to him, I said, hey, um, what's going on? How you doing? Which is a sort of indirect way of saying, what do you want? (laughs) Not good. (laughs) You know, not not because I'm assuming that, but I just wanted to clear that out of the way in case he was going to do some small talk for the next 10 minutes because I'm like praying and I'm getting ready to speak at the men's retreat. So I'm like, I want to stop and give him my time and my attention. But if he's just asking me, you know, how to fix his tire or whatever, then we'll get to it, you know, and I'll direct him to YouTube. But (laughs) amen, because that's what I do. So, but I said, I said, what's going on? And then he said, oh, nothing. I just wanted to, I just wanted to call you, and I want to do that more often. That's literally what he said. Yeah, thank you. Amen. That's right. And uh, when he said that to me, it was like everything in me as a father just like exploded, right? Uh, because I want to help my kids. I want to be there for all my kids. I always want to be their father. It's a privilege to be a father. There's no burden. It's a privilege. And we go through things, but man, it's awesome. It, it, it's a privilege. And so... I don't mind all that. I don't mind talking to him about what he needs to fix and do. I enjoy it. Call me. I love it. But when he said that, it was like my heart just sank in all the right ways. And I thought, oh. And so we had like a 35, 40-minute conversation almost to all the way when I got to the men's retreat. It was just beautiful. We talked about everything. And I realized as I sort of got out of the car when I went to go preach at our retreat with our guys that this is exactly what the Father wants with us. He wants to move us out of transactional relationship, which he still is present for. You come to God and you ask him for something, he's present for that. He forgives. He does all, he'll, he'll give us. We, we want something from God. He's there. He'll supply, but he wants us to get to a place where we want more of God. I want to be with you. I want to hear from you. I want more of you in my life. This is what I'm, a, I'm after. It's what's most important to me. And when we get there, you know what the Bible says? It says we have everything else. If we seek God, we have everything else that we're looking for in life because it comes from Him. It is in Him, going after God. And here's here's what I want to do today. I'm going to ask you to pray uh, with me, but would you stand? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Is this you? Because it is you. And if you're not convinced of it, uh, I'm just prophesying over you. You shall be. 
We need more of God. You agree with me on that? We need more of God. Desire. We need to make some sacrificial decisions. If that's you in the room today or you online, you need to make a decision. I need more of God. I've got to decide. I've got to make a decision to be in the Word. I've got to make a decision to be a person of prayer. I've got to make a decision. I'm going to try that fasting thing, Ben. I've never done it before, but I'm going to try that thing. I'm going to do that. I need more of God in my life. Lord, give me back my desire. If that's you, pray. While I'm praying, pray that and ask Him. Ask Him. Nobody else can give it to you. God can give it to you. Amen. God can give it to us, and He can do it right now. Right now, He can do it. So, Father, we thank You. In the name of Jesus, that our desire, and we profess and we confess, is to have more of you in our lives. Lord, we want a vision of fullness, to be on this trajectory after you, postured rightly in this season. And Lord, we just confess wherever there might be sin or distractions. Lord, we give that to you, and we ask that you would replace it with desire, replace it with the strengthening of our will to decide you first. Nobody else and nothing else should come between us. And then all that comes from that, our obedience to your word, it first comes from our love and relationship with you. And God, I pray for more over every one of us today. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for more. I pray for a desire. Let it come back to us right now. Where the Bible has become boring and we've become numb maybe to, to love for you and love for others, I pray that you would heal us, heal our hearts Strengthen us, bring us out of these places so that we could be right where we need to be in this season. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to baptize us fresh. This is what we need. Ask to receive more of the Holy Spirit. We pray right now that you would baptize us in the power and the life of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, pour out your presence. Pour out your power. Pour out your revelation of Jesus. Pour out your love. Awaken our hearts Give us personal revival that we might be walking in such a way as to please our Heavenly Father. And nothing less, we accept nothing less, Lord. Come into this time, into our lives, into our church. We ask for more for our church and the churches of this region and this nation. That we would rise and we would see all that your word says happen in this time. There would not be a decrease, but there would be an increase. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church.